This is the Locked On Reds podcast on a Thursday. Great to have you in. I feel pretty good. Outside of, uh, you know, the Reds reeling. I'm James Erpine, your host. We do this every single weekday. It's the Locked On Reds podcast on Twitter. At James Erpine, at Locked On Reds. Check us out. Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. Wherever you get your podcast, including iTunes. That's Apple Podcasts as well. Every podcast posted at thelockedonreds.com and... Uh, We'll bring in our next guest in just a second. Look, the Reds are reeling, 2-9. and nine. I don't see light at the end of the tunnel. Hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully it starts with maybe two wins against the Cardinals this weekend. I, I would take 2-2 two and two right now. 2-2 two and two with bells on against the St. Louis Cardinals. Because if you're the Cardinals going into that series tonight, you're thinking, this is the get-right series. This is the series we're going to use. We're going to win three out of four and get right, get back to 500. Uh, as St. Louis looks to do that, or maybe more. Uh, hopefully that won't happen. But uh, without further ado, let's welcome in our guest, Chad Dotson, RedLegNation.com. He's on Twitter, at DotsonC. Check out The Big 50. It is a really good book, something I just ordered. I've heard rave reviews about it. Ordered it today. It's hard to get um, just because it's flying off the shelves, flying out, uh, being sold out online as well. You can get it, though, on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, etc., so check that out. Uh, Chad Dotson wrote it, and he's on with us now. Chad, I appreciate your time as always. Let's start. <laughs> let's start with this team. And before we get to the negatives, like Brian Price and how things aren't going right, and how they're two and nine, let's start with any positives. Are, are there any positive takeaways from the the Reds that you've seen in the first eleven contests? I actually think there are. Uh, I'm, I'm still uh, I'm a little disappointed in the way things have been going, but. I'm still pretty optimistic overall about this team. I mean, the offense is going to come around. I'm really encouraged by the starting rotation. I mean, I know maybe the numbers don't exactly bear that out just yet, other than with uh, Homer Bailey, who's just been uh, in in two of his three starts, has been lights out, and it's been sort of the Homer Bailey that we've been hoping for. Luis Castillo is not quite there. He did have a quality start last night, so he's he's getting there. But he's, he's showing all the things that we saw last year. Uh, Sal Romano had a rough outing, but uh, looked good in his other one, and I, I'm I'm bullish on Romano. And then Tyler Malley, you know, uh, I, I think this kid is just going to be uh, keep getting better and better and better. So I, I think that group there, in terms of the starters, is uh, really poised to, to break out. I'm really excited about what I've seen from them. So, you know, from that perspective, that's something to be optimistic about. I think they're I think they're going to be a pretty good group still, and that's what I thought two weeks ago. Yeah, and, and I want to get into Brian Price, and obviously there's a lot with Price and his future and, and decisions he's made. But w- with the starting rotation, I, I think the biggest unknown was Homer Bailey, not because he was young, not because of anything but injuries. And, and through three starts, I like what I've seen. I know he struggled a little bit against Pittsburgh, but overall, are, are you pleased with what you've seen from him? Oh, oh goodness! I, you know, you really couldn't ask for a whole lot more. Agreed. All I was looking for out of the first three starts for Homer Bailey, I would have taken just dead average uh, pitching. Uh, you know, I would have thought that would have been fantastic if he were healthy, because that's what I was looking for: health. He's just not been healthy, and it's become clear to me that he's learned how to pitch a little bit. Uh, he's, he's not the guy that just runs the fastball by you anymore, uh, although he has good stuff. But he's learned how to pitch, and he's. He's healthy, and it's so fun to watch him actually uh, be able to perform on the mound. Is he going to be the number one starter, the ace of the staff? No, probably not. But can he be, you know, a really solid number three starter or something? Yeah, probably. And 
And I think at this point in his career, we'll take that. As long as he's healthy, he's going to be productive, and he's going to be a guy that you're going to want in your rotation. Chad Dotson, RedLegNation.com, also on Twitter, at Dotson, C, author of The Big 50. And, Chad, I, I, I came on yesterday, and I was like, man, I was trying to find positives, and Luis Castillo pitches well last night for him for in his third start. I still have, obviously, plenty of hope for him. In an ideal world, is he the ace of this rotation in your mind? Well, in an ideal world... Uh, Clayton Kershaw is the ace uh, of this staff. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think that probably if I had to, to bet the ranch on one of these guys being the ace uh, by the end of this year, I think it's going to be Castillo, you know, 25 years old. Just incredible stuff. I mean, he's got the best stuff of anyone on this uh, staff. Not, not just a fastball, but I didn't change up. I mean, he, I love watching that guy pitch. Kind of like the way I feel when I watch Rosella Iglesias pitch at the bullpen. It just he can do things with the ball that no one else can do. And Castillo's not quite there, obviously, but man, he's getting there. And yeah, in in this world that we're in here, if we want to uh, make it as ideal as possible, I think Castillo ends up being the ace of the staff. Yeah, and you mentioned Rosella Iglesias, and and that's. A good segue into Brian Price because he does Oh, do we have to talk about Brian Price? We, we have to. I mean, that's the <laughs> elephant in the room, and I, I wanted to it try is. to be as positive as, as possible before we got to this part because he didn't use Rasel Iglesias for nearly uh, outside of 11 pitches for over a week. There was multiple times he could have used him in either a tie game or a one-run game in the eighth inning. Opted not to. Did so yesterday. It worked well. Obviously, the Reds still lost. But what do you think about uh, the lack of usage for Rossi Iglesias for the, the you know the first two weeks of the year? It's really just it's outrageous. I mean, Austin Bryce, Jared Hughes, Wandy Peralta, Kevin Quackenbush has thrown the same number of innings as Rossi Iglesias. I mean, it, it's and all those other guys have thrown more. It's just it's really it's not like we have the nasty boys bullpen here. I think it has a chance to be a pretty good bullpen when everyone's healthy when we get uh, Hernandez back and get Lorenzen back. And, I think it's got a chance to be decent, but especially when your team is struggling and every run matters, it makes no sense not to be creative with Rosella Glazes. He should be throwing more innings than anyone else in that bullpen. Instead, he's you know effectively thrown fewer innings than anyone else in that bullpen. It just I can't imagine what goes through the manager's head when he's got a, a really tight spot. And he goes with anyone other than Rosella Iglesias. Uh, let's not even get into Giovanni Gallardo or, or you know, Kevin Quackenbush. Uh, and that's the one you're talking about from a couple nights ago. He put yeah. in Quackenbush and the game over um, when he could have brought in Iglesias for two innings. It just, I don't, maybe I'm not smart enough, but I don't understand why you don't use Iglesias as much as possible. Maximize what you get out of the guy because he is as talented, I mean this seriously, as any pitcher in baseball. Yeah, I that's the thing. I agree with you. I, I think, and that's, I guess, what I don't get. Because Brian Price, plenty of heat, no contract for next year, needs to win games. The Reds need fans to come to games, which means you got to win more. Two and nine, I'm going with what I know. I know Iglesias is really, really, really good. He's probably, honestly, I think he's their second best player behind Joey Votto. I mean, I don't think yeah. that that's insane. And the fact that he didn't pitch outside of 11 pitches for over seven days... I can't do that if I'm Brian Price, and yet it happened. You can't wait for a save situation to bring this guy in. Exactly. He's just he's too he's too talented. He and I agree. I don't you know he, the wins above replacement numbers are not going to bear it out in terms of 
the value to the club because he's not getting used like he should be. But Iglesias is, to me, uh, right after Joey Votto when it comes to just sheer talent and ability uh, at this game. And it just it makes me wonder if Brian Price is managing for his job, as we all know he is, how does he look at this bullpen and not think, I need to get Iglesias in there as much as possible because that helps me win games? Is he making that determination that someone else really is genuinely a better option in some of these spots, like he puts in Quackenbush uh, the other night? That worries me more than anything else, that, that, that he doesn't realize Iglesias is so valuable. Chad Dotson, RedLegNation.com, on Twitter, at DotsonC. I, I do want to ask you uh, another decision, and there's been a lot of them that have been under the microscope now, and Part of that, honestly, I just think it's the margin of error. The margin for error is is slim for these Reds and this team. And if Brian Price makes a mistake, it's magnified. Scooter Jeanette yesterday makes a mistake, magnified, obviously, awful mistake in a big moment. But Brian Price yesterday opted to pinch hit and bunt with no outs, runners on first and second. Your thoughts on uh, his his strategy to do so? <laughs> well... Oh, my goodness. Let me think what I can say here on this family podcast. <laughs> you can say whatever uh, you want. It's a, that's why it's a podcast. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they're carrying, you know, like 28 pitchers on the roster or something. They, they've only got four bench players anyway. And Price goes into this inning where he has runners on first and second in the tie game with, uh, with no outs. And he decides to – he has Phil Goslin in the lineup, which is a whole different problem. Uh, I like Goslin as much as the next guy, but we need to have – the young guys playing instead of, but it was what it was. We got to that spot and he pinch hits Tucker Barnhart for Phil Goslin. Now Tucker Barnhart, if you'll notice, has been probably the maybe second most uh, productive hitter for the Reds. I think he has been the second most productive hitter for the Reds so far this season behind Eugenio Suarez, who's on the disabled list. So this is a guy that's having a good season uh, that handles the bat well and gets on base and he brings him into bunt. And yeah, I won't go through all the math, but if you look at what's called run expectancy, before that bunt, the Reds were expected to score like 1.6 runs out of that situation, first and second, no outs. After the bunt, with uh, Cliff Pennington and Billy Hamilton coming up, they were expected to score like 0.6 runs. It, it lowered the expectancy of the number of runs they would get over the history of baseball the teams have gotten. So they, he made it more. Brian Price made it more difficult for the Reds to score that go-ahead run. Uh, in that situation. And that's too much math, I know. Uh, but to me, just think about it. Do you want to take the bat out of Tucker Barnhart's hands and put it in the hands of Cliff Pennington or Billy Hamilton to try to get that run in? It boggles my mind. Yeah, it it was. It, it's a head-scratcher. And then let, let's get to Billy Hamilton a little bit. Obviously, he made a great play in center. With that said, that at-bat, I, I can't have that at-bat in that situation. You need Billy Hamilton to be better. I, and I don't know if he can be. Well, at this point, you know, you're starting to give up hope that he's going to be able to be better. Um, but that was just a, it was a disaster. And, and listen, Billy Hamilton's my favorite player. I love the guy because of the catch he made earlier and because of what he can do when he gets on base. He's so exciting. But my goodness, <laughs> he's just, he's got to be better. And, and, and again, this is the guy that we've been watching for the last few years. Brian Price has been watching that guy and he made the decision. I want to try to get the, get the bat in his hands rather than in Tucker Barnhart's hands. I don't. I don't get it, but uh, yeah, that was a rough. That's that's a game the Reds could have won. I don't know should have, but they had every opportunity to win that one. And I feel like their manager put them in a position to make it more difficult for them to win. Chad Dotson, RedLegNation dot com, and uh, he's joining us. And 
Chad, I'll keep you for a few more minutes, and I just I don't know if it could have started any worse with injuries, with the way the team is hitting, and, and the starting pitching has been okay at times, but then the bullpen gives it up, or then the hitting doesn't show up, and Brian Price clearly has had his issues. I, I know you were positive to start this podcast. I just, in my mind, could you have envisioned when I had you on this podcast about two weeks ago, we were talking about whether or not they could win 80 games, how good they could be, all of these things. Could you have envisioned a start that was this poor through 11 games? Well, no, I couldn't have. Uh, there's, there's no way. It's, it has. Like you said, um, and I did listen to, to yesterday's podcast, it's, it's about, it felt like it was rock bottom. I guess it wasn't. But, uh, <laughs> We're no, getting there. we got to be right. getting there. <laughs> <laughs> you, you would hope. Nothing's gone right. I mean, nothing at all is going right. So, no, I couldn't have envisioned a worse start. But the flip side of that is, there's nothing that I've seen that makes me believe, you know, the way I was feeling two weeks ago is, uh, was wrong. I, you know, it's still the same hitters. They're not performing right now. We, we, we're blaming Brian Price for certain things. He deserves some, some blame for some things. But, you know, he's got some players that just aren't performing right now either that he could be counted on. He's had injuries to, uh, you know, Eugenio Suarez and Scott Shebler. That's not helped. Uh, injuries to the bullpen. That's not him. Now, he's not making the right moves sometimes, but it's not entirely Brian Price's fault because the players aren't really producing either. So, But those guys will. These guys are going to get healthy. Shebler will be back hopefully this week. They said uh, they expect Suarez it looks like it may be back within the month, actually. So um, things are going to get better, and it's the same group of players that I was optimistic about. Listen, last year the Dodgers won 104 games, but at one point they went, one and, I think, 1-18. and 18. They lost 11 in a row at one point. I think it went one and eighteen in a stretch, and they still won one hundred and four games. So, I don't think the Reds are going to win one hundred and four games, <laughs> but I also don't think that uh, two and nine start is necessarily uh, shows what this team is. I don't think we know just yet what this team is. How hot is Brian Price's seat right now? I've got to think it's exceptionally hot, and uh, if they if they keep playing like this, I got to think he's probably going to be gone. Where they go next, I don't know, but um, I don't know if he'll if they don't. Start playing well soon. I don't know if he'll make it to that 44 game mark that uh, Tony Perez made it to before he got fired back in 1994. Um, he's it, it's hot. He's Chad Dotson on Twitter at Dotson C. Make sure you pick up a copy of the Big 50 in bookstores and on Amazon.com and uh, check out RedLegNation.com as well. Chad, I always enjoy our conversations. Hopefully, next time I have you on, we're talking about a winning streak and not a, a two and nine team with a bunch of negatives. Oh, it's going to be exciting next time. That's what I'm counting on. <laughs> He's Chad Dotson, RedLegNation.com. Good stuff from him. Again, follow him on Twitter, at DotsonC, and check out his book, I Ordered It Today. So I went to order it, um, I'm trying to think. I was like a week ago, and it was already out. It was already sold out at, uh, I-, I was going to do it on Amazon. Because Amazon Prime, I mean, come on, it's easy. But uh, if you're a big bookstore person, I know it's at Barnes & Noble, you should check it out. I've had friends that read it. My uh, good buddy Mo Egger has read it. And uh, it's one book that, now that it was in stock, I ordered today. Thank you so much for listening. Um, tomorrow's podcast, Doug Gray, Red Leg, uh, RedsMinorLeagues.com, rather, will join the podcast. What will we talk about with Doug? Simple. He watched Hunter Green pitch this week. We'll dive into that. We'll dive into Nick Senzel, whether or not he's ready to be in the majors, and so much more as we discuss the Reds' farm system because, let's be honest, things are going better in the farm system than they are for the big league club. 
Until tomorrow, thank you so much for listening. I'm James Rapine on Twitter, at James Rapine, at Locked On Reds. Until next time, thank you so much for listening to the Locked On Reds podcast. 